dear friends, humanity is on thin ice and that ice is melting fast. As today's report of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, IPCC, details, humans are responsible for virtually all global heating over the last 200 years. The rate of temperature rise in the last half century is the highest in 2,000 years. Concentrations of carbon dioxide are at their highest in at least 2 million years. The climate time bomb is ticking. The IPCC report, which came out a few days ago, has set the world on fire. To be honest, it is already on fire. The report is just putting things in perspective. Hi, you're listening to On Manorama's Explainer Podcast, Newsbreak, a weekly show that breaks down news in a clutter-free manner. This is your host, Harita Benjamin, and I'd like to welcome you all to our episode on the latest IPCC report on climate change. Dr. Sabin Tipi, a scientist from Indian Institute of Tropical Meteorology at Pune, is with us today to shed some light on the matter. He was also the contributing author to the IPCC's sixth assessment report. Welcome to the show, Dr. Sabin. Yeah, thank you for having me in this um, podcast. All right. So without further ado, I think we can just uh, move on to our first question. The AR6 synthesis report, uh, that is Climate Change 2023, which summarizes five years of reports on global temperature rises, fossil fuel emissions and climate impacts, is bad news for humanity. So, could you please uh, list out the major findings of the latest IPCC report for the benefit of our audience? Yeah, sure. I will slightly brief uh, the IPCC R6 procedure also. That will be good for your audience. So, basically, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change is a Nobel laureated uh, international body of scientists and experts established by the United Nations to provide the scientific information on climate change. The IPCC R6 report uh, comprehensively assessed the latest scientific knowledge on climate change and its impacts, including the potential risks and opportunities for adaption and mitigation. It will also provide recommendations for policymakers on how to address climate change and its limits, its effect on the environment, society, economy, and so on. The IPCC's assessment process is uh, divided into three working groups. So working group one deals with the physical science basis of climate change, where I was also involving. And working group two with climate change impacts, adaptation and vulnerability. And working group three with mitigation of climate change. So all the three working groups will come up with their respective reports, which is uh, typically known as IPCC R6 working group one report, working group two report, working group three reports uh, like that. So this, the recently released synthesis reports, provides an integrated view based on the content of all the three working group uh, assessment reports and the three special reports which uh, released uh, prior to this AR6 report. So we can say it has a summary of all the IPCC AR6 reports. If you are following the past three major reports, you will be able to feel that uh, some kind of information is repeated in this report. So, however, here a consensed version of uh, all these uh, three reports uh, is provided, and that can be a better handbook for the policymakers 
of the respective governments. So if you recall the IPCCRC uh, Working Group 1 report, the most important statement was pinpointing the human influence that has unequivocally caused the warming of the atmosphere, ocean, and land. With the global surface temperature has increased by 1.1 degrees Celsius since the pre-industrial era. So here, pre-industrial period, you can think uh, something about uh, before uh, 1900, where the industrial revolution was not there. So based on that reference, we always compare and say how much global mean atmosphere is warmed. And uh, that's uh, from this uh, 1.1 uh, degree change comes. Uh, so, but uh, remember one point, this is global mean annual temperature change happened so far. This will have large difference with respect to season, with respect to location, and so on. So the report highlights that the impact of climate change are being felt worldwide and affecting people, ecosystem, and economics. So it finds that climate change is intensifying extreme weather events such as heat waves, heavy rainfalls, and droughts, uh, exacerbating the risk of uh, wildfire, floods, coastal floodings, and so on. A report also note that uh, climate change is affecting ocean ecosystem and biodiversity with significant impact on fisheries and the livelihoods of uh, coastal communities. And this uh, synthesis report further highlights the urgency of uh, taking immediate and uh, ambitious action to reduce greenhouse gas emission and limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial level. So limiting warming to this level would require rapid and deep cut in emissions that every fraction of the degree of additional warming will enhance the risk and impact of climate change. Uh, the report also highlights the importance of adaptation and resilience measures to manage the unavoidable impacts of climate change. So overall, the IPCC ASIC synthesis report uh, presents a clear and serious picture of the state of the climate and the urgent need for action to address the impact of uh, human activities on the climate system. Absolutely. The IPCC report this time, uh, you know, is a little alarming in the sense that it says that if you don't act now, the effects are going to be really drastic. And one thing which they keep on harping about is about the different thresholds of global warming, right? So, for example, uh, they say that a 1.5 degree Celsius target, which was fixed in the Paris Agreement. So, what does this imply exactly? And how would crossing this threshold affect the world at large? Could you just decode that for our audience? Yeah, well, these type of thresholds generally comes from IPCC reports. Since this is the scientific basis for the government policy and decision, through these uh, reports, scientists will summarize crossing the 1.5 degree thresholds, we may have to face certain consequences or risks that directly affect people, wildlife, um, and overall all ecosystems. So based on such scientific awareness, world leaders in 2015, the so-called uh, so -called Paris Agreement, commits countries to limit the global average temperature rise to well below 2 degrees, comparing to the pre-industrial levels, which I briefly mentioned in my previous sections, and to aim for 1.5 degrees centigrade. So it requires almost halving the global carbon dioxide emission by 2030 from the 2010 levels and cutting them into net zero by 2050. So where net zero refers to the balance between the amount of greenhouse gas that produced and the amount of that removed from the atmosphere. 
So the simple answer to your direct question is climate change is already affecting every inhabited region across the globe. It can be heat, rain or drought. More warming to 1.5 degrees centigrade and beyond will worsen such impacts. For every increment of global warming, changes in extremes become larger. So this again will have a lot of spatial variability. In a simple way, we all might have studied in school how rain is forming. It's through evaporation, simply we can say. So if temperature increases, that means that will lead to more evaporation and that can eventually lead to more cloud formation and then we can expect strong downpours. So its impact is going to severe as per increasing in any change from the present level. Right. So the synthesis report also outlines the near-term and far-term risks of climate change. You briefly mentioned it uh, while you were answering the first question. Like while uh, near-term risks include biodiversity loss in various ecosystems, be it terrestrial or uh, in the ocean, and long-term risks mentioned in the report include large-scale extinction, massive changes in frequency, intensity, and severity of droughts, floods, and heat waves. So how realistic are these estimates? And what is the pattern for arriving at uh, these estimates? Like how do you go about it? Is there a simulation in place? And how do you arrive at this long-term and near-term uh, risks of climate change? Yeah, that's a real crucial question. Uh, well, the report draws on a wide range of scientific studies and data from various sources, including satellite observation, ground-based measurements. And while if you want to address the future, then climate models are coming into the picture. So the findings of these reports are based on extensive data analysis and peer-reviewed research uh, publications. And uh, present the current state of uh, scientific understanding on the impacts of climate change. So basically, all the future information are coming from different models. Uh, something in simple way I can say, to make a model simulation for the non-climate, we have all sort of observation, such as concentration of greenhouse gases, the amount of uh, pollutants in the atmosphere. So all those type of information we already may have, land use, land cover changes. So all those information, we can actually take the observed values. But while coming into future, just think how we will use or incorporate this information into the model. So there comes the importance of uh, future scenarios and there should be multiple scenarios. For example, we cannot say that the world will evolve only in this way. So there, there you might have noted that multiple scenarios, moderate scenarios, high emission scenario. So that's why uh, we cannot say that the world will only go through this way. The scientists will create multiple scenarios and then they will say that if we uh, proceed in, in this scenario, we will end up with certain consequences. If we are going with certain high emission scenarios, the consequence will be slightly more. So this uh, future information is coming from different models that can create a certain degree of uh, uh, uncertainty involved in this uh, projecting the future trends. So along with uh, each statement, its certainty level and significance also uh, this type of IPCC reports usually provides. Right. So in short, mentioned the confidence levels uh, yes. in each of the scenarios. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So in short, we can say that the estimates outlined in the synthesis reports are uh, considered to be somewhat realistic since it is based on the best available scientific evidence and research. Right. So now let's uh, look at India, for instance. 
India is not part of the historic uh, emissions responsible for the current scale of global warming and its per capita rem- emissions are comparatively low. But it is by default one of the largest emitters of greenhouse gases today. So how do you think uh, as a country we should address this? Yeah, even though our per capita emission remains significantly lower than many developed or developing nations, its consequence can be global or regional. So since we always say that the weather has no political boundaries, so it's our collective effort to think and implement the strict norms in a way that that will not harm our economy much. So being a developing country, uh, we have to keep a right balance between these two points. So it should not hamper our economy. And at the same way, we should be committed to these type of green initiatives as well. So keeping a right balance between these two points is mostly our governments will define their policies and all. All right. Now, after the IPCC uh, report was released, the UN Secretary General, uh, Antonio Guterres, briefly mentioned in a speech that India's food security stands to be severely affected if the present rate of global warming continues. So could you elaborate on that? How does agriculture in India stand to be affected by this global crisis? Basically, the uh, high temperature, changes in precipitation pattern, sea level rise, uh, growing frequency and intensity of extreme weather events, such as droughts, floods, extreme heat and cyclones, they are already reducing the agriculture productivity and disrupting the food supply chain. So if global warming is uh, not contained with uh, 1.5 degrees, the IPCC special report estimates that the number of people exposed to declining crop yield should rise from approximately 35 million to at that that what's happening at 1.5 degrees celsius will change to 370 million at 2 degrees celsius so this is something serious and that's why the governments consider it is very seriously and that's why they are uh, going to agree almost or nearly we can say that they are going to agree, agree the paris agreement which has happened in 2015 all right uh, so now this was about india in particular but uh, the uh, when the ipcc report was released the un secretary general you know quoting the report said that there should be a quantum leap in climate action only that would help arrest the global warming and prevent it from crossing the threshold. Now, you mentioned the Paris Agreement as well. Uh, there might be many uh, of our audience who is not, uh, you know, briefed about the Paris Agreement or the clauses within it. Could you list out the steps which is required to achieve the Paris Agreement and what is the importance of achieving this threshold? So basically, India now stands committed to reducing emission intensively of uh, its GDP by something around 45% by 2030 from its uh, 2005 levels. The country will also target about 50% of uh, cumulative electric power installed capacity from the non-fossil fuel-based energy resources by 2030. So along with this, we are aiming to target uh, something about uh, net zero by 2070. So to achieve this, the mantra should be uh, go for all kinds of green initiatives that we all studied. So this is the time to implement all those in our day-to-day life. So then only uh, we can tackle the climate change to a certain extent. So all kinds of green in- initiatives uh, in terms of uh, green energy, reduce, reuse. So all those mantras we have to uh, enchant uh, and try to implement in our day-to-day life. So uh, that's the key to control or tackle this climate change 
to a certain extent at least right uh, so the targets which are set for different countries are different right that is my understanding so how was it different like india uh, you know for instance has voluntarily said that you know it would uh, cut down the emissions by so much by 2030 and uh, how it is going to uh, slowly migrate towards uh, green energy so what are the standards or uh, the commitments which are made by developed countries for instance could you also uh, you know elaborate on that a little bit yeah all the ipcc reports or its policies are mostly taken into unfcc meetings and then there the government sits and uh, decide the uh, what they can do or what way they can drive these uh, initiatives so in paris agreement we took a very strong stand and we committed to reduce a lot of uh, greenhouse gas emissions and all those things uh, we were not at all thinking certain points in terms of need of uh, energy since we are a developing country so keeping all those points each countries will have their own stance you may be well aware that us uh, initially support and then they uh, slightly modified their pledges in the agreement we also slightly modified our terms so these are all based on our own economical the growth policies uh, the certain uh, rules which which will uh, immediately affect our uh, economical production and all those things so lot of things are involved in in these type of uh, decision so basically these type of uh, decisions happen at uh, united nations uh, unfcc meeting so they are called each government is considered as a parties and they will make their own uh, agreements and just like uh, recently some meeting happened at glasgow and before that paris agreement was happened so governments will uh, continuously change their policies according to the current availability of uh, resources and considering the future requirement of uh, various energy production and all those things so each country speaking in a nutshell we can say that each countries can have their own strategy but the ipcc the role of ipcc is to provide a scientific basis of if we are not obeying or following these type of uh, strict rules we may end up with certain consequence so definitely countries uh, each uh, uh, nation has to tackle these climate change issues also so keeping these two aspects in mind countries uh, will define their own strategies and accordingly they will go for uh, its implementation as well all right uh, so you've kind of already answered my last question which was on what should be the measures taken by the government but my second part of my question is what can households do for you know reducing the global warming and uh, reducing climate change because after all it starts at home and uh, my second question is uh, what does governments have to do for the adaptation to the drastic climate change which is happening right now yes a simple question maybe that uh, or the simple answer to your question will be follow the all type of green initiatives so we studied uh, all those things in our schools but now this is the time to practice even uh, simply switching off the unwanted light and uh, if we can possible go for a electric vehicles so all type of uh, green initiatives only will help um, our government to tackle this issue so uh, simply the mantra can be something like that uh, go for green in all possible means so that may be the first part and uh, the second part uh, can you repeat that question again uh, what do governments have to do in order to facilitate the adaptation process because india has a long coastline and all of them uh, you know stand to be affected by the increasing global warming right 
And uh, we are also an agricultural nation and a lot of livelihoods stand to be risked by the global warming and the climate change, which is, you know, to be in place soon. Uh, what can the government do in order to facilitate the adaptation process for uh, the citizens of India? Yes, basically in, uh, in Glasgow, many procedures or protocols are already developed. So on based on that, uh, you may be knowing that the national policy of uh, disaster management is formulating now. And each state governments have seriously started to, uh, to form their own state disaster management agencies. So government is very committed to all these activities. And even government is planning to make a uh, uh, fund to manage the risk uh, which is happening due to this uh, climate change. So uh, government of India point of view is that all the disaster management authorities should be well equipped. And institute like uh, uh, IATM, we are already providing training how to analyze this data. Uh, for example, if you see the IPCC climate change report, it will be a broad overview of global and with certain information about uh, India as a whole. But if you if you want to uh, go to a finer resolution, what exactly what is going to happen in Pune or what is going to happen in Cochin, those type of information may be missing. So each state disaster management authority, uh, for example, recently Kerala government has came up with a lot of a nice report using uh, certain uh, climate information they translated into river basin uh, or district uh, level or even block level that information they are able to provide all these type of information provided by the disaster management authority will be utilized for at various levels and uh, government of india is also made up certain procedure and protocol how uh, if a disaster happens, how should this rapid action team should be uh, initiated all those things so basically now we can say that uh, earlier, these type of things were not that much taken care. We can say that in, in developing countries. But considering the impacts, we know that in Kerala was facing a lot of um, flood episodes in 2018s and 19s. So we are also, the climate change is uh, not uh, uh, happening somewhere else. It's, it's in our doorstep, almost we can say that. So our government is also, now we can say that almost well equipped and uh, ready with the plans and how to act if some uh, calamities or something is happened. And even government of India is planning to make a, a fund to manage risk using public and uh, using the public and private partnerships also trying to utilize to tackle all these issues. Right. Uh, as you said, I think a climate action plan which is implemented at the local and national level is necessary to meet uh, the escalating issue of global warming. And let's hope that, uh, you know, it pays off. Uh, so thanks a lot, Dr. Sabin, for joining us. I'm sure our audience had a great time listening to you on Manorama's News Break, uh, an explainer podcast, which is produced by Harita Benjamin. That's me. Uh, with technical production by Idea Brew Studios, comes out every week and is available on all podcast platforms. Follow on Manorama.com for detailed updates on the latest news and more such explainers. And be sure to be back next week for more on News Break. Thank you.